If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hot! Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is The Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for The Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Good Monday, one and all. Great weekend. Hope you had one as well. I'm Jeff. That's Tom Director Matthew in the house on Twitter. It's at Jay Cameron Show. And away we go. Florida State. Another game, another win. This one, one of my favorites. One of my favorites uh, on the season because it was completely dominant and Florida State uh, doing what you need to do when you go on the road against a team like this and kind of restore order, get back to the way things ought to be, where when you play smart and you play well, you stomp a team like Wake Forest. And that's what Florida State does. The win probability throughout the game never dipped below 90.2%, for example. Uh, and that was early when it was, uh, I think, 10 to 7. After that, it was never below 93%. So this was a rocking chair game if there ever was one. Obviously, the differential, for example, in yards, you can pick your stat that you want. All of them apply in the good column for Florida State. 508 yards for Florida State, uh, 210 for Wake. That is some old school domination. That's that stuff that we did to people in the 90s. That's what we did in 2013 to some teams where – You're hopeless if you're Wake. You really had no reason uh, to be out there much of this game. You kind of just were hoping to go home. Well, you were home, but, I mean, leave the stadium. You know, leave, get out. 
don't want to be a part of this anymore. This is not good. Basically, the only offense Wake had was one long run and a couple of really suspect penalties against Florida State. Other than that, they did nothing. Florida State now sits as an overwhelming favorite to win the ACC, of course. And most of us in this fan base see it as a step along the way towards um, making the college football playoff and perhaps having an opportunity to win a national title. And to that point, the committee will announce their CFP rating for the first time this year tomorrow night. Uh, If I were a one-man committee, Tom, uh, this would be my top ten. I'd have Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, Ohio State, Washington, Oregon, Alabama, Oklahoma, Texas, Ole Miss. Ole Miss's lone loss was to Bama on the road 24-10, to so I have to put him in there at top ten. That's it. Um, this was a weekend for OU to take it on down the road, which was nice. Others cemented their take it on down the road status, like North Carolina. Just wanted you to be sure. They wanted you to know we we do not matter. In case you thought we still we do not matter at all. How about six hundred yards for Georgia Tech? Well, twenty two points in the fourth quarter hurt your feelings. I mean, sweet Jesus, six hundred yards. Oh, I'll get to them in a minute. Utah and Oregon State. Thanks for playing. It's been real. Take it on down the road. Sorry. Whittingham, I bet against you I won. I had to. Didn't think that'd be much of a game. It wasn't. So that's my top ten. But my guess as to what the committee will do looks like this. I think they'll go Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Florida State, Washington coming in at five, just out, just behind Florida State. Now, of those teams, if you want to have a larger conversation just for a second, Uh, I like our chances against Ohio State. I think we'd beat Ohio State. I don't like our chances against Georgia. I think FSU is a coin toss with Michigan at this point. Because, and this is important, the Knowles would have the services of 6'5", 340-pound Daryl Jackson in the playoff. And that is a big, big deal. You give me Jackson, Farmer, and Fist to go with Verse and Peyton, and we can go to war. I can I can play some defense now. I can I can stop the run game and get you out of what you want to do. The problem, of course, is on the other side. Our offensive line wouldn't block those teams. But that's where you need Mike, who could be a magician with these game plans, and Jordan Travis, especially Jordan Travis, the runner, to change the math. And in a one-off, you create enough offense that gets you to the fourth quarter and you got a chance to win those games. Let's hope we're talking about it. Let's hope we're having that conversation. I got ahead of myself. Uh, but, you, you know, let's hope that that's some sort of scenario that we're talking about. Now, the game itself, for those of you wondering, scrimmage plays, not counting garbage time and special team stuff, 66 scrimmage plays, 29 rush attempts for Florida State. And in, in that, it kind of encapsulates how weird the team is because they were good and efficient on the ground, uh, but they weren't great. And what I mean by that is you have 29 rush attempts, 16 of those went for two yards or less. <laughs> just what we do every week. They're just uh, like 20 carries in a game will just go nowhere. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, there's 12 yards. Okay, that was good. And you set something else up. It's just a strange existence on the ground for us right now. I thought the offensive line and pass protection, great. Best they've been. Perhaps this year. Probably the best they've been since the LSU game. They were outstanding that night. Yeah, I yeah. think I think that's the best they've played in pass pro since the LSU game, is what I would say. And Florida State always finds ways to overcome whatever weaknesses they seem to have. And you can do that when your quarterback is awesome. And by the way, he was awesome as in best game he's played since the second half of LSU. He was fantastic in this football game. Jordan Travis was the best version of of Jordan Travis in this game. He's been a he's been a real good player all year long, 
But this was the kind of guy we thought we'd see every week, and it was on display in this game. He did a very, very good job. Uh, obviously, when you think about this game, you got big plays. You always have big plays, none bigger than the boom, bitch, get out the way screen to trade uh, Benson, who is um, something that uh, you don't want a piece of with that kind of speed. I mean, can you imagine being that poor safety or those poor corners trying to come across the field? It's such a beautifully designed play. And I could watch it 15 times, not just because Trey Benson, when at full tilt, is something to behold, but because of the play design with the motion going to the right, then you roll him back around, you peel your lineman to get out there in front, and it's and he's patient, and it's perfect. It's perfect. The screen game has come into play now, and you're watching them really hit on these screens. This is two weeks in a row where they're really able to do this, and some of that early in the year was a little off. The timing was a little off, but they've got it now, and it helps negate some of the short yardage rush problems that you have. So it's a lot of fun to watch them incorporate this now and do it so well. Um, That play obviously goes 80 yards and it was all she wrote at that point. It's uh, And that brings me to another point. Mike Norvell is really in his element. He is so good as a play caller and a play designer. Uh, the, the kind of fun and games they have with setting things up. I love charting. I know you do this because you do the post game. But you, you chart along with the game. And you can see, like I put a little star by plays that I know are set up plays. Where I'll go, oh, I know what they're going to run off of this. Or I'll guess it. I'll say, here's what I think, given his affinity for this, this, and this. I'll say, Here, here's what they're going to run off of that the next time they're in this formation. And maybe it's not always right, but it's something close, or it's the second time or the third time, and then all of a sudden you're like, aha, gotcha. And it's beautiful to watch. Uh, he's as good as there is as an offensive play caller. I, I, I really, you guys know I wouldn't tell you this if I didn't think it. He's really, really, really good. Uh, Florida State averaged... yards per drop back. Well, that'll hurt your feelings if you're Wake Forest. Sweet Jesus. By comparison, if you want to know, Wake Forest averaged a paltry 3.9 per drop back. Again, that's, as I say, will uh, hurt your feelings. The defense, outside of the one long run, was awesome again. Uh, Wake was dominated in every way, which is what we thought would happen. Their third down success rate was 18%. Mm, 18%, you don't say. For Wake Forest. Here's the stat of the day. They ran the ball 44 of their 65 scrimmage plays. Wake Forest did. Now, we said they wanted to run the ball. I guess that they would try to run it more than 40 times. That's how they play football at Wake these days. That's how they have to try to play football because they got to shorten the games. So listen to this. They ran the ball 44 of their 65 scrimmage plays. Of those 44 rushes for Wake Forest, 41 of them went for two yards or less. That is men playing with children. I mean, that is a bunch of grown-ups, like, in their costumes, like you see the mascot games, just bitch-slapping children all over the field during the exhibition. That's what Wake Forest had happen to them on Saturday, was grown-ups just went and ended the play. Sometimes it was so violent, the refs just decided to throw a flag because it's violent. There's like, I don't know, it just seems unfair. I'm going to throw it. It's just mean. But that's crazy. 41 of the 44 rushes for two yards or less. If you take away the one long run, and you can't, and you got to stop having busts like that. We have one every game. But if you take away that run, holy moly, now we're, 
now we're talking about you run the ball 43 times for no yards. <laughs> That's a lot of times to attempt to run and get no yards. So, obviously, you get a come get you some game from the defense. Uh, what they finally chart this? Was it six sacks or five? Six. Yeah, it's six. I thought it was six, and two of those were by verse, of course. You get double-digit tackles for loss. And you really cannot ask for anything more other than, yeah, I mean, I guess if we're going to point out anything that's negative the third quarter, but that was aided by some nonsense calls. But I, I, I had no real problem. I mean, this is the first game that they've played where I kind of just, you know, at halftime, I almost sent you a picture of a rocking chair, and I got sidetracked doing something else. I think I was grilling still. And I uh, just I, – the game was over. It was over at halftime. Yeah, this third quarter was not the same as the Boston College no, third quarter. No, no, Not no, even not, close. No, no, um, no. You know, they, they have a chance to go for two and get it to a two-score game. But, you know, they aired out everything they had. Dave Clawson told you what he thought about their chances of a rally with their first drive getting down into our territory yeah. and kicking. And kicking in a 34-7 to game to make it 34-10. to So – you knew how much it was over in his mind and everybody's mind. We were substituting, doing our thing in that regard as well, getting some guys snaps. This was uh, an awesome game. Yeah. This was it, There was nothing really to worry about. Even that near pick on the first drive it's from Jordan, yeah. the dude falls down. They yeah. didn't show them the broadcast, but that's why we have people up there. I saw on our Twitter sphere that yeah. Keon just fell. Yeah, he fell down. You could see it on, the, on one of the replays. He falls down, yeah. So, again, this is just everything you wanted to see, you got to see. Layers to the offense – Completions short, completions over the middle of the field, completions at medium depth, deep shots. Keon Coleman, the variety of what he brings to the table. Special teams showed up. Deuce Span looks shot out of a cannon now every time he returns a kick. Every single time. Permanently be the guy. We don't need to really deal with anybody else back there. I tend to agree. And even though I was angry when he was returning it from eight yards deep, I'm not so sure that's a bad idea anymore. If you're going to get up to that top speed, I wonder what it is. It's got to be north of 21. Has to be. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, if you're going to... Depends on the gun. Sometimes they say some pretty ridiculous things that I don't buy. They'll say yeah. Somebody said twenty three. Somebody said twenty three for Trey Benson. I'm the come on. No, he ain't running twenty three miles per hour. But anyhow, it's still twenty one, twenty two. Certainly in the realm of possibility. But yes, and this is where on that play, you know, there are guys when they're moving, you can see it on a TV screen. Like when Dalvin ran in the open field. Oh yeah, you felt that even if you weren't in the building. There was a suddenness to it. it. Yeah. Trey doesn't look like he's moving all that fast. I think it's because of the upright nature of how he runs. He's a big, big guy. And he holds the ball up high. It just doesn't look like he can be motoring. But they showed that one replay of the 80-yard touchdown from the end zone and it, as he was you coming towards really it. You really see it then. And that's when you, you almost feel a little fear. Go, well, oh look at his God. eyes. And, and that's what I mean. When you see his face and you realize that if you're a defensive back, it's hard enough as a linebacker. Yeah. But if you're a defensive back or a safety and you see that dude get to the second level relatively untouched, you got a problem on your hands. Well, and you got to make a business decision. It's you know it's something we saw even his first year. You know when when he gets to camp and he's full speed, you can hear him running by you. You're the as oh, he's running by. We talked about it, yeah. And you and you see the size and and that just it creates a feeling of oh man, who wants to mess with that guy? But it just doesn't translate to television all that well. I'm glad finally there was an appreciation for that. That one camera angle showed it. But he was 150 yards from scrimmage this week, which was great. He was our leading receiver at 100 yards. Yeah, yeah. Pretty cool as well. But then Keon does what Keon does. You know, this is shorthanded in the receiving core. You still dominated in the passing game. Good thing, too, when you look at uh, the game plan, and I want to get more into this big picture stuff, I've been kind of hoping that we would get to a place where we were completely comfortable 
and beginning games by spreading you out and throwing the football. Well, here you go. Uh, I think that's who they are. I think that's what they have to do. I think that's the that's when they're their most efficient and best selves. Because when you do that and you get people out of the box and you spread people out, now we hit you with the run. And this is where it becomes much more efficient. They are not efficient in obvious rundowns and the whole world knows they're running. They're not good at it. They don't they don't they're not an overpowering offensive line. So you got to pass to run. And you've got more than enough weapons to pass the run and a ridiculously suave, aged, experienced quarterback who's who's on, you know, obviously the synergy between he and Keon and the other receivers, very good. Uh, Jordan Travis's best throw of the year was made in this game. Yep. And it's the pass to Morlock. And if you watch it again and again and again, it's an elite NFL throw. He doesn't always do that. He did on Saturday. That throw is as good a throw as you'll ever see. And the important thing to stress here, now that everybody has seen it and everybody can appreciate what that was, in camp, he didn't just do that once or twice. Right. He did it consistently in camp. You know, the one day inside the stadium with about a week to go before the season began, or at least the LSU preparations, he made four of those throws on that particular night. And so when we were talking about Jordan taking that next step to being an elite college football player in every facet of the game at the position with running and throwing the football. It's because we saw throws like that. The one I'll remember, probably outside of the third down conversion he had against LSU, the most impactful play that Winston Wright made this year was a throw anticipatory in the slot. It was third and forever against the first team Florida State defense, and it was just like that. And then he followed it with one to Keon Coleman on the sideline. That was just like the throw to to Morlock. If he's unlocking something extra here, this is starting to get scary, and it's what we've been talking about the whole time is they have moments of inconsistency, and they're dropping 40 a week. Well, now look at them. If this is who Jordan Travis is going to be down the stretch, buddy, he will be in New York. They yeah, won't, he'll they get won't be able to, the, to ignore it. He'll get to the top four and have a chance there because um, he'll keep putting up big numbers here. He's got some big games coming up. He's got opportunities here to really do uh, more uh, good work, as we just saw here. I, I think, Tom, really it's as simple as this, and I, I mean, I would like to talk – to Tony Tokars about this, who I, I, I like talking to anyhow. Um, I never played quarterback, obviously played football and watched a ton of football. It seems to me that when Jordan is throwing those kinds of passes, the one that we're describing to Morlock, for example, and the ones you were talking about that we witnessed in practice, the only difference is when he is, is, is his footwork, typically. It's just a matter of technique. When he's technically sound, he throws a really good football. When he's not, when he gets a little lazy with his footwork, gets a little lazy and falls back on throws, that may have been born out of trying to survive an injury. Uh, but when he does those things, it sails on him. You watch it, it sails on him. He missed, he, he missed one in this game where it sailed on him. That's typically uh, his miss it is high. And and it's he had the one on the quick game that he was going to try to get it out to uh, Keon Coleman early in the game, um, which later on he hit when we and he scored. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he recognized the defensive inefficiency there. He's like, oh, that's a safety on him. Okay, get the ball out. And then he did, but he airmailed it. And that is that's just usually footwork. Um, that's what I think. So it would be interesting. I, Tony may tell me something different, but I, I'll ask him because I think it's fascinating because that is in there when he's being technically sound he yeah. can be very very good uh some big numbers to look at with Florida State and where they what they've become and who they are and where that sits uh within the top 
20, top 10, really probably what we're more concerned about. Where does Florida State rank in all of the advanced metrics, and what kind of team are they at this point? Now, you know, the one problem with these is that, of course, uh, you can get adjusted for uh, opponent. You can get adjusted for weather and rain and all the other stuff. Uh, but, you know, our, te- our schedule is not Texas's schedule. It's not Oklahoma's schedule. It's not Michigan's schedule. not Ohio State's schedule. So you really do have to kind of take these numbers and say, okay, well, I'll extrapolate this from that and maybe understand that uh, this doesn't mean as much, but this maybe means more because it's against a better caliber team. Or, and we'll talk about some of those numbers because I think Florida State sits really nice on a night before the committee is going to sit down and kind of talk about what these teams' resumes mean. And I think if you do that, there's no way Florida State's not a top-four team. It's impossible. It's really not possible to, to exclude Florida State from the top four if you take every possible metric, and that includes watching the games. It's impossible to rank them outside the top four. I don't think they will be ranked outside the top four. I agree with you, but it's also impossible to put them outside the top three, and you probably should put them in the top two based upon accomplishments to this point. The problem is the committee doesn't like changing things drastically week to week with more information. So once you start somewhere, it's hard to move you off that spot. But if you're talking about resume comparison and balance, and, and I know you're going to get into the numbers yeah, in a moment. Yeah, we can get into these. It's, it's a hard case to make to put Florida State outside the top three, and they probably should be top two. I have met three, uh, but, I, but I, can, I can make an argument for two. I can make an argument for one. Uh, and I, you know, but I can't make an argument for anything worse than four, and I really can't even get there. You saw I had them at three, so that's, I think that's what they are. Jeff Cambridge on 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Champ TV. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello there, podcasters. Oh, don't worry. I won't prattle on for two minutes like I do with some of the other reads. Zaxby's doesn't demand it of me. <laughs> Zaxby's like, look, just tell everybody that we have the best chicken sandwich in all the land. That's easy. I can do that. I can attest to that. A delicious, thick, juicy, tasty Zaxby's chicken sandwich is where it's at. Of course, the strips are a given. You like the strips. We get the strips on game days. The platters are lifesavers. Mm-hmm. If you're going to a party, a pool party, say, this summer, and what do I bring? Just bring a beer giant thing. No. and Zaxby's. Don't worry about the beer. You bring the Zaxby's, you're going to be the hero. Just uh-huh. make sure you get all the sauces, too. They've got like 97 sauces, and they're all delicious. I don't know if you guys know this. There are 27 Zaxby's in Tallahassee alone. 27. You can't miss them. I think that's true in general in every city in America. They're like so, peach trees in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Look around. Find you a Zaxby's and get after it. By the way, your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years. Go Knowles. Welcome back to the Jeff Cameron Show, sponsored by Legendary Home Loans, a mortgage experience designed around speed, simplicity, and customer service. Before you buy your next home, contact our friend Shannon Young with Legendary Home Loans. Visit FSUHomeLoans.com. FSUHomeLoans.com. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3, Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. 
make mention of that again tomorrow night when the college football ratings come out. We'll have a post-college football ratings uh, get-together as a staff on War Chant. It'll be going live as they go as well. Oh, live reaction show. Okay, yeah, yeah. 7 p.m. tomorrow. I know it's Halloween, and uh, that may not work for everybody, but you can always go back and watch it, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll give our reaction. I think we're going to be all right. The only concern that I would have is if we are ranked outside that top five, top four, excuse me, I think that's the only thing that matters is that you're in the top four because you're controlling your own destiny here, and if you went out, you're going. There would be no reason for them to be able to drop you. I also think this is all going to get worked out because of how many tough games Washington still has and the way that they're banged up right now on that offensive line. They can't really move the ball that well. Come on, Dan Lanning. Just kick those field goals a couple of weeks ago. Actually, that would be a bigger problem for us. Yeah, they found a way to lose that ball game. Yeah, Oregon's good. Oregon's a yeah. problem. Like you yeah. know, I, that Oregon win was a significant win over the weekend to go in there and do. Nobody does that, and they just manhandled Utah. That's a good win. If they hadn't butchered the end of the Washington game, they would be, yeah. uh, and they would, we'd be in trouble there. That'd Last be a possession, first half. First possession, second half. Kick it, my man. Yeah. Good lord. Yeah. Um. Really quick, I'll get into some of these numbers here in a minute. But uh, I want I want to draw your attention to something here. And if you're interested in giving the gift of education, the gift of a scholarship, then you'll want to listen up. The Giovanni Vetrano Foundation, a nonprofit organization near and dear to us here on the Jeff Cameron Show, is holding its 2023 Geo Cup this week in Tallahassee. The event is a showcase, uh, showcase excuse me, of the elite soccer programs in the Tallahassee area. It also serves as the most important week of fundraising in honor of Giovanni Vetrano, who tragically died two years ago this November. I don't know how two years has gone by. That's amazing. Gio's father, he's our friend, Ron Vetrano. Uh, worked with him and known him many, many years. And he created this scholarship fund to be awarded annually to three high school student athletes in our community. Three scholarships help honor Giovanni's spirit. This week through November the 4th, thanks to an anonymous donor, all donations to the GV scholarship will be doubled. Please consider the power of what you can do to help young student athletes in their college journey. If you wish to learn more and support the Giovanni Vetrano Foundation, visit gvscholarship.org today. That is gvscholarship.org. Go there today and check it out and learn more about it. How about that? Donations are going to be doubled. Good stuff. Thanks to whoever is doing that as well. And thanks to all of you in advance uh, before you go and, and, and donate there. GVScholarship.org. All right, back to Florida State here. I was mentioning before the break, Tom and I were talking a lot about this team and where do they rank. And, you know, we're starting to pay attention because the Dog and Pony Show starts tomorrow. And, you know, we'll see what they do. Now, if they want to make a statement, they would rank Michigan fifth. If they want to make a statement. Sometimes they do that. Sometimes the college football playoff committee does that. See 2014. Well, but you could do that here and be justified. That's a weak schedule. I would say, well, it's not just an opinion. It is the weakest schedule of the bunch. It's not close. It's in the hundreds. It's not very good at all. Now, do I think Michigan is a top four team? I do. 
But if they're just going to do the week-to-week, who have you played, who have you beaten, what's your resume telling me right now? Well, then I would tell you that uh, Washington has to be ahead of them. They've got a more significant win. And I would tell you certainly we do, and Ohio State does at this point. You would, ju- you would do that with all of the teams that we're having this conversation about. And uh, they could do that. They could do that. Uh, I don't really care about how they do this as long as what they do do is put Florida State in the top four. And Florida State's, if you want to look at, for example, offensive yards per play, Florida State is 13th in the country. Uh, They're eighth in points per drive. So whether it's yards or points, whatever metric you like most, you can go with any number you want. I mean, I can keep doing this. They're top 20 in all of them. For offense defensively is where they've gotten a lot better and if you look at defensive points per drive Florida State's number 11 in the country so you can look at stop rate you can look at points per drive I mean that's a pretty easy statistic to get your head around right like how many points per drive do you give up you know and that's again that factors everything non-garbage time okay so they do keep into account that you may have your third strings in in a 50-point game or a 40-point game and you give up a touchdown. So they don't incorporate that, right? That doesn't count. So it's a pretty good metric because it's not counting your third string giving up a bomb to LSU with a minute to – you know, it's like, oh, they weren't even trying. Correct. But you could also look at uh, yards per play. You might be surprised to learn that Florida State is 23rd in the country in that metric. So – and rising fast. Yeah. So quite frankly, if you are, you want a balanced team, you want a team that you say, okay, what is it? How do I define it? Where do they fit compared to all the teams playing football in the country? Well, golly, if, I, if I'm if i looking at points and yards, <laughs> obviously wins, <laughs> I've got an 8-0, I've got a top 20 uh, in almost every meaningful category that, that that assesses what a football team is. It's hard to then say, well, yeah, but I don't like them. I'm going to put them at seven. You couldn't do it. You really can't do it. So I don't think that Florida State is going to get burned tomorrow night. I think Florida State will be sitting comfortably within that top four. And then from there, it's just a matter of do you take advantage of what lays before you? Florida State, I said it before, is an overwhelming favorite to win the ACC. If you're looking statistically, Conley put this out too. I mean, it's over 80% now at this point that Florida State will be playing for and likely to win the ACC championship. If you if you get this win on Saturday against Pitt, I mean, everybody get your hotel room ready to go in Charlotte. Yeah, get it now. I mean, well, I agree, Tom, but I'm saying if you're really cautious <laughs> and you just aren't sure, well... This will do it. This will punch the ticket. So get ready to have fun. It should be a good time. Um, Florida State is in a enviable position. And when you look around and you see all sorts of teams falling on their face and stumbling with opportunity and it presents itself, you, you get excited. Um, I don't know what this pit team is going to be this Saturday. I, it's almost impossible to tell. I think my guess is, is you got one of two scenarios playing out here. Uh, a team that has just quit on their head coach and hates Pat Narduzzi, uh, 
there seem to be some indicators that they have real problems. Players calling him out on Twitter after the game this weekend in which they got blown out. I hope you had my Notre Dame pick, everybody. I gave the 20 and a half and said I thought they could shut him out. They gave up seven, 58 to seven. But Pitt's in trouble. They don't have good players. Uh, and their head coach doesn't like his players, and he tells them that via the press and then tries to save it at the very end by saying, ultimately, it's on me. Well, man, you just spent 15 minutes telling everybody how much you hate your players. That ain't going to work. And I like Narduzzi. I like him a lot. But he made a mistake. And that's born out of frustration, no doubt. Can we say that the best interviews that you get at ACC kickoff are a kiss of death for that coach? It seems that way. Yeah. It Hopefully seems that way. With Mario, that continues as well. Well, I hope... I hope that was a good interview too. Yeah, it was a good interview. Um, but yeah, Narduzzi was a fun interview to have, and I everybody in the ACC who covers him loves him. I mean, he's a fun guy. He's a no nonsense guy. He's been a really good coach in his career, really good. And that was kind of out of left field. That mistake there. That is pure frustration. And uh, anyhow, the point would be when you call your players out like that, and then they call you out publicly on social media forums throughout the rest of the day, well, that's not good. I'd say we're at an impasse. we got a bit of a problem here. Coach doesn't like players. Players doesn't like coach. And obviously the play on the field this past weekend suggested they weren't exactly giving it their all. Now, Notre Dame was going to win that game. They were always going to win that game, but they shouldn't have won it 58-7. to That is an indication of a quit. That is not unlike, just for a trip down memory lane, the way we looked against Boston College the one night, and uh, Jimbo first admitted we quit and then went back and lied and said that he didn't say that and that he didn't quit. But he admitted to me he quit on Sunday. They quit on that Sunday, if you recall the interview. And we were sitting around watching that game, and we had players on the sideline laughing while we were on the wrong end of 35 to nothing or whatever the hell it was. And uh, I remember thinking, well, this, mm, I don't know that you recover from this. You know, that's the hard part. Now, as 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 a team with a lot to lose and uh, let's say a fan of a team with a lot to lose if uh if you slip up along the way you kind of guard yourself you get your dukes up right because you think well maybe it works the other way maybe they have a come to jesus at pit and he fires them up after falling on the sword and crying in the locker room and telling him how much he loves them and that it was just a weakness moment and that he's so sorry and now let's show the world what we are I don't know, maybe you get that version of Pitt on Saturday. It may not matter, but you may get that version that's fired up and ready to play Saturday afternoon and get, uh, you know, we get their best shot, which I still don't think is good enough to beat us. But if you're playing poorly, you don't match intensity, who knows? But it's it's just hard to find a way for Pitt to be in this game midway through the third quarter. It's, it's hard to find a path at this point. It's hard to argue against an expectation that we are going to be dominant in most of our games the rest of the way. It's just the, the way that this team is playing together, all phases. Like the worst part of our game on Saturday was the kicking game. You missed a field goal chip shot. The punting game wasn't that great. You had the one down inside the two-yard line, was which awesome, was exceptional. Yeah. But Master didn't have a great day. First bad weekend of the year for uh, the, the special teams as far as offensively kicking. You as know, far as kicking know, it yeah. goes. Yeah, kicking and punting. But you covered well. You returned well. And the offense and the defense, I mean, it just it feels to me 
like a machine is really starting to hum. Yeah, the only the only hindrance, Tom, to that, for me being all on board with that, and they overcome it most days, and they will against most of the teams that they play that are of this caliber, is that that is not an elite offensive line. And they find ways anyhow, and that really helps that you have a very good offensive coordinator, a very good play-calling head coach, and a really, really talented quarterback who can get out of harm's way. So you have a lot of things that help offset that weakness. Um, it's just never going to be uh, a, a plus-plus offensive line as currently constructed. So that is, that'll is that be what you have to overcome. I'm not dwelling on it. It'll be what you have to overcome when you play the big boys. But I will tell you, certainly, you watch now, they are easily able to get past some of those inefficiencies up front and put up big numbers and create offense. And that's because they're really good at what they do and they have a ton of experience and they have game changers both at tight end and at wide receiver. Now, they did all of this while missing several guys that are key to what you're trying to do offensively, including Johnny Wilson, obviously. So that tells you just how locked in they are right now, to your point. And it certainly tells you that when they're facing a 66th-ranked team, SP plus Wake Forest, they're going to house that ass. That's what they're going to do. Um, and that's what they did. And I'd like to think that's what happens here as well. Uh it probably does. I just can't. I, I just don't see a way on a Monday that we sit here and think like, can can that be a game in the second half? I, it's football. I mean, weird things happen, but probably not. Well, the other thing is, it's a noon kick on the road that we just went through. There's a lot of Knowles fans there, and they were fantastic. Well, I thought it was a three thirty kick. No, no, I'm sorry. Uh, where we're coming from? Wait. Oh, oh, we get the way. Yes, the situation that we just arrived into. Yeah, there might be some bad blood there because. You're tired of losing to Wake. Let's right the wrong. It seems like that was a message amongst the team itself that they wanted to do that, but it's still Wake Forest and Winston-Salem at noon. Well, the good news is that stadium was filled with Knowles. It was, and they did a fantastic <laughs> job. But you get off the bus and you're coming for blood out the gate, and you could feel that. Yeah. So I just I, that's another sign to me that you, you did it against Virginia Tech. You started fast. Syracuse was never a game, and those are two lackluster environments. When you're talking about the opponent inspiring you to do something. And we found it in our own way to come out and play well out the gate. I just these are good indicators that you're going to kick off at 3:30 on the road for a again a lackluster environment unless our fans can help it along a little bit, and you're going to be ready. That's I don't think we're going to be snoozing at any point for the rest of the season, which is really good because you're just trying to check boxes of where could we lose a football game. It won't be because we're not prepared or not motivated. Uh, depending on what you look at, conference odds for Florida State, 86% chance that they win the ACC at this point. Um, projecting competition, Florida State's margin of victory, what they'll be favored by, et cetera. Louisville's next at 11%. Miami's at 2%, followed by Virginia Tech, 0.7%. But they're not completely dead. They're not. Hey, they got a heads up with Louisville this weekend. Uh, they'll lose that game, and that'll be that. So <laughs> we'll be done talking about it. But maybe they won't. Maybe they won't. I will tell you, you kind of need Louisville to win it. Yeah, not insignificant tomorrow night is Louisville's position in the top 25. Yeah, uh, you know, look, I love that we're 6-0 and in the ACC and pretty much scot-free headed to the ACC championship at this point. Uh, Louisville's 4-1 and in conference. Uh, they are um, a top 20-35-ish to team. And depends on, again, what metrics you want to look at there. But that's where they kind of sit currently. Um 24th, 25th, somewhere in there. But if they went out on the strength of having one loss, they would probably be top 15 
at the time that we would play them. You've got to give, by the way, Virginia Tech and that coaching staff a lot of credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were absolutely dead in the water terrible and then turned it all around and are 3-1 and one in the ACC. It's okay. <laughs> it's it's bizarre. Hey, that Pitt team summoned the ability to beat Louisville, so you never know. That's also at 3.30 this weekend is Louisville-Virginia Tech. The, the final thing on this real quick, I, I notice it all the time. You certainly see this on social media outlets, and you see it on message boards. It's that some football fans, not all, not all, but some football fans really don't get that it's not the transitive property, guys. It's not how football works. I see so many people like, well, I don't understand how they could beat this team and lose to that team. This this is crazy. And it's not. It's football. You watch football. This is what happens all the time. Spots matter. When you play somebody, what time of year, weather matters, injury luck matters. All this stuff plays into how a team could beat another team and then lose to a team that lost to that team by 50. It's, it's right. It happens all the time. So that's what makes Florida State being 8-0 very, very impressive is that you see a lot of people stub their toe or a lot of people have moments. Now, we had one against Boston College. That, that was the fright game. That's the game where you go, ooh, man, that was something. But even that BC team has turned it around now and is probably going to go to a bowl game. So they're not the dregs of the earth as they looked on the day that we played them in Chestnut Hill. Um, but, I, you know, this weekend, once again, you just kind of flip around, flip around, and you go, well, see, that's not stunning that Oklahoma just lost to Kansas, I guess. You know, when you see that, and then you think and you the bean machine. Yeah, you keep you, you look around and you're like, Well, this is pretty amazing. Duke got thumped. That's a terrible spot for Duke. We knew it going in. I said, Oh man, I kind of feel for this Duke team. They just left it all on the field here, did everything in their power to try to get that win, had the lead in the second half. You know, he must have felt good about the chips to the middle of the table. The problem is they didn't get the win. They got beat going away. They got worn out, and then now they got that game. Well, and they got their quarterback hurt even more. And if you had saved him, I think that game this past weekend looks a lot different. Maybe. A limited Leonard is is a huge difference. Yeah, he's going to be limited either way. I I wouldn't have played him either, but I I think – I don't know that he's going to not be limited the rest of the way. I think they're kind of screwed now. I think they score more than zero. Maybe. Maybe all they do is run the ball, man. It's uh, it's a tough deal. They're tough. I like them. They're physical, and they, he's a great coach. But that's a that's a tough. He's got to get some receivers in there. He's got to get some people. He's got to he's got to find a way. Should be interesting when they play North Carolina to see who loses their third game in conference. Man, it'll be fun to watch North Carolina uh, the rest of the way because this has the makings of a oh we blew it. We blew it. We, we, it's all out there. We're frauds. What do we do? We could just stop playing. Same you as it could. ever was. You could. It's Jeff Cambridge Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chat TV. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. The Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness, two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. 
Jeff Cameron, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Let's see what we have here. Let's do projections. Having fun with uh, Femrau here. Doing projections for uh, the rest of the way uh, for Florida State. FPI projects that Miami is an 80% chance to win over Florida State. No, no, they're not. Uh-uh. So this is funny. This, yeah, no, this likes us a lot, as it should. Welcome to the party, pal. And I know it's his model. It's not him. No. And this is Femoral. This is just yeah, the, this yeah, is, this is yeah. the FBI. This is, yeah. It's not Connolly. Mm. But you can watch. You can look at everything from points per drive, available yards, yards per play. You can, I mean, any of the, they have all of this in the data. And it's so fun to do because, like, you can compare and contrast Florida State and, say, Ohio State. Or Florida State and Michigan, and it's you know it's it's good. It's you can kind of get a sense of what the computer thinks would happen. Obviously, they play the games, and you know it, it's you can look for neutral site. You can look for if we played there, if they played here. That's it's just fun to do that. Uh, you know, I the team you least want to play. If you if you're looking at the playoff and you say we make the playoff of the teams you think that are going to be in the playoff. Who's the team you least want to play? Georgia yeah, with easily. Bowers. Yeah, well, and I just Georgia period. Georgia without Bowers. Mm. It's a little bit different. I want to see a little bit more out of the Big Ten and what it really is, those two teams. But Georgia with Bowers, yeah, no thanks. I'll pass. Yeah, I, I'll pass too. I'll I'll pass. I'll, that's still number one even without Bowers. I don't want to play him. I don't know that that victory over Florida is that impressive. I mean, it, they did what they were supposed to do, yeah, just like we they, did. They, Beat the bejesus out of Florida. That wasn't competitive football. Competitive Just like football we did game. this weekend, though. I mean, I mean, no, no. I, Florida's I, I, comeback against South Carolina to me was never that impressive because South Carolina is just cheeks and then some. I agree, but we would say Florida has better players than Wake Forest on offense. They do. Yeah, yeah, they've got better players than Wake Forest. So, I um, I, I just say that I that team when they decide to play. See, I I have been of the mindset that Georgia hadn't cared to play, and when they have twice, they beat this. Heck out of people. Uh, that was a good catch. That was close. That was real close. That was real close. But they, I mean, they. You see it when they care to play. You're like, oh, yeah, still bigger, stronger, faster than everybody else out there. That's that's a problem. And that's what happens when you stockpile recruiting classes like they have. That's where that is. That's where we're trying to go. That's where we're trying to get to. When you stockpile five star after five star, top five class after top five class, this is what you have. But we have seen a more talented offense than Georgia this year, and we handled it. Once we understood what was happening to us, we did handle them in a yeah. monumental way. Yeah, my my uh, my worry is less about their offense and more about what their defense would do to our offensive line. And I, I have a problem with that. If you play quick game and spread it out, though, you you're mitigate that to. advantage. You're going to have to. And that's why you have a chance. That's why yeah. you have a shot. Because you've got a veteran player like Jordan, and you can spread him out. And you've got a very good play caller in Mike Norvell. And you've got real weapons in the form of Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson, Jaheim Bell. You, I mean, you got guys. For the record, I think the difference here on either side of the glass is I am – unafraid for Florida State to line up against anybody at this point, given this year. It's just this year. It's not about you yeah. know, Georgia's program and what kind of run they've been on. But if you told me who can I avoid if I have one freebie just to pass, uh, I'll the, avoid Georgia. That's yeah, the whole exercise. Yeah, I'll, I'll avoid Georgia as well. Like, you don't worry as much, for example, about Ohio State because I think their offense sucks. I, I don't see it. 
I just don't see it. Now, you put I think Renardo on Harrison, and you'll give up some, but you won't give up a bunch. But you let him follow him across the field. I wouldn't put anybody else on Marvin Harrison Jr., but Renardo. Yeah, and it's not that Ohio State doesn't have good players. They do. I just don't love their quarterback. And they're pretty average on offense so far this year. Now, they, they do play defense, and they will hit you, and they've got plenty of NFL dudes, so that would be, you know, a, a hell of a game. But I, I still like us there. Uh, I think Michigan's better than Ohio State. And I think they'll prove that when they play each other. And so that game would worry me more than the Ohio State game. But we match up better against Michigan's offense with, in theory. With Daryl coming back, it changes things because yeah. I think that kind of dominant 6'5", 340 presence in the interior changes how you play Michigan's run and gives you a chance to make them have to beat you doing something they don't want to have to do. Um, it would be a good game. Again, I hope we're having these conversations. I look to have these conversations about matchups and areas of strength and weakness. Let's hope we're having that. Just got to take care of business. Hour number two, forthcoming stay with Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com